Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to the Repurpose Your Career podcast, brought to you by Career Pivot. This podcast is where those of us in the second half of life come together to discuss how to repurpose our careers for the 21st century. Come listen to career experts give you proven strategies. Listen to people like you tell their stories on how they repurpose their careers. And finally, get your questions answered. Your host, Mark Miller, has made six career pivots over the last 30 years. He understands this is not about jumping out of the frying pan into a fire, but rather to create a plan where you make clear, actionable steps or pivots to a better future career. Are you ready to repurpose your career? Welcome to episode 63 of the Repurpose Your Career podcast. My name is Mark Miller, and I'll be your host every Monday for a discussion on what it's like to repurpose your career. If you're a first-time listener, this podcast is a series. It looks like I'm going to completely mix up the series this month. Next week, I will be interviewing Camille Knight. Camille is a logical creative, and she'll be telling her story how she found a way to marry her love for data and creativity to become a Tableau expert who makes beautiful dashboards for executives to essentially tell stories from the data and how she made this transition in her 50s. I have a couple of experts lined up to be interviewed, but getting them scheduled has been challenging. This is usually first in the monthly series. The third in the series is a topic of my choice, and I haven't decided what I want to talk about this month. The last in the series is the mailbag episode where I answer your questions, which is this episode. So hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Q&A episode of Repurpose Your Career. I am here with my lovely sidekick, Elizabeth Rebay. Uh, Elizabeth, how about introducing yourself? Hello, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Rebay. I live in, in Austin, Texas, and I'm a marketing coordinator for a, a division of an international company. I've been doing that for a little bit over a year, so I get to do a a lot of great things, work on trade shows, social media, write case studies and such. So, and I've been uh, hanging out with Mark for, I don't know, five or six years now, and um, he has helped me make a career pivot. So, um, I'm glad I could be here to help him out. And I believe you can go back to episode 20 or 21. I'm not sure exactly which one. You can go back and find Elizabeth, tell her story. But in this episode, we are answering your questions. And so we have three good questions this week. A couple of them come from the podcast survey, which is being re- was released last week. Actually, it's going to be released tomorrow because we're recording this on what? We're on January. Let's see. It's January 21st we're recording this on. So on the 22nd, the, the podcast survey episode gets released or gets published. So, Elizabeth, why don't we go ahead and get started? And um, sure. And how about you give me the first question? Yeah. So we had some three really good questions. The first question is, I have been passed over for a position, 
I just received the thank you, but no thank you email. How do I found out, find out why I was passed over? Okay. I'm actually publishing on, I believe it's on the 23rd, 24th, a updated blog post called, You Didn't Get the Job, Now What? And the key piece of here is you need to have people on the inside. So as you're starting the job cert, as you're about to go in for an interview, you need to start buttering both sides of the bread mm -hmm. uh, and preparing. So one of the things I always recommend is you always have a referral. It's always great to have someone on the inside. And I'll use the example back in 2009, I was working at my previous startup and one of the guys from my, from my job club come to me saying, Hey, I applied for a job at your company and nothing's happened. So I walked down to the recruiter, asked, Hey, this guy, David had applied for a job and he's not going to, not nothing's happened. So she went through, found his resume and went, yeah, I'll submit it to the hiring manager. So if I hadn't, you know, poked her, mm -hmm. he probably wouldn't even been considered. And this is where I always like to joke. This is um, a buddy of mine, Jim Adcock. He's on the board at Launchpad with me. Jim used to use the trick. He would call recruiters and say, hey, I just wanted to make sure you received my resume because because of the sexual nature of my name, last name, Adcock, it sometimes gets filtered out by spam filters. Oh, that's good. That's very good. <laughs> right? It's a little yes. trick. And by the yeah. way, they would always, all he was trying to do was get them to pick up his resume and look at it. Yes. And by but the what way. A, what a good way to get it to the top of the list. Well, all you're, way. all you're trying to do is get someone to look at it. Mm -hmm. So similarly, later, this guy, David, he got this nice little email back saying, no, we're not going to move forward with you. And he asked me, how come? So I went back to the hire. I went back to the recruiter and she basically told me he didn't have X and Y skill. Well, that's valuable knowledge. So you have to do the same thing. So when number one, when you go in for an interview, before you start the interview, make sure and get business cards from everybody you're interviewing with. When you are done interviewing, and I cover this in the blog post, you immediately thank everybody. You send LinkedIn connection requests. And by the way, if the recruiter's been a really nice person to you, send them a $5 Starbucks gift card. In other words, you know, not $25, $5. Enough to get them one cup of coffee. Because if you can get on that good side of that recruiter, and by the way, recruiters get, they get crapped on a lot. Lots of people look at the being as evil people. Uh, rarely does anyone say thank you. So if you go in and say thank you, you'll usually get on their good side. And sometimes the recruiter will actually respond back and say, I, you know, I didn't get the job. How come? The next thing you should do is go back after you've talked to the recruiter, talk to your contact and see if they can play detective. Because very often they can wander down to the recruiter. The hiring manager says, hey, I saw you didn't get so-and-so got hired. How come? And if you can get that feedback, the last step is if you uh, if you wait a month or so and get on LinkedIn and see who actually got the job. 
Because it may be if it's somebody, an internal candidate got the job. Now, by the way, you're going to lose most of the time to an internal candidate. I've talked about this Mm -hmm. in the past. Mm -hmm. If you can find the person who actually got the job, well, (laughs) that's valuable information. You can look to see, okay, do they have skills I don't have? Here's the next trick. Go send the person who got the job a connection request. And in a month or two, reach out to them and see if they'll be willing to talk. Because just because they just hired one doesn't mean they're going to hire somebody else for the exact same position. Or what if that person doesn't work out? The key piece here is just because you didn't get the job doesn't mean it's all over. Yes, it sounds like you really need to uh, make sure you develop friends and advocates for you on the inside and, you know, go that extra step to develop those relationships because they can provide a lot of good, valuable information to you. Yeah, one of the, the other key piece, if the person is 25 years younger than you are, uh, that may also tell you something about what they're really looking for. Um, mm-hmm. Currently, well, I, Elizabeth and I both live in Austin, Texas, where ageism is alive and well. I've just picked up a client in Silicon Valley where she is just amazed at the number of times she has passed over for someone who's younger. and. That, you, what you want to do is look for those companies that are very age-friendly. Uh, it's rather interesting. I have a client right now who's pursuing a particular financial company that's well-known for being very age-friendly. And so, and therefore, we are pursuing that heavily. So, you want to you understand those companies that are age-friendly. But the whole point here is you need to be play detective. And that detective process starts before the interview. Or even submitting your application, too. Yes. Trying to find a contact, because if you have somebody on the inside, they can be invaluable to you. Let's go on to the next question. Sure. Uh, The next question we have is, I have been applying for positions and rarely do I get a call back. If I do, the person I interview with is a low-level recruiter who does not have the experience to properly evaluate me for this position. How do I bypass or get by these low-level recruiters to talk to the hiring managers? Okay. You need to go back and listen to episode 58 with Gary O'Neill. And I'm, I'm going to be doing a blog post the next few weeks on this exact topic. On I like to say it's the four things you don't know about the hiring process at your target companies. One of the things you don't know about the hiring process is you don't know when a position will open up. You don't know when they're going to fire somebody. You don't know when they're going to uh, get a new new customer, which is going to allow them to hire new people, or whether they're going to go through a budgeting cycle. When they're going to start a new project, you don't know anything about that. Two, if they post a job on their on their website or in their applicant tracking system, you don't know what keywords they plugged in. By the way, you don't even know whether they actually plugged any keywords in at all or whether they match and make any sense. You don't know exactly this question is who is who is going to be filtering these resumes to see who they're going to interview. You don't know whether the recruiter who's going to call people up actually knows anything about the position. In other words, you don't know squat. 
And Gary talks about in the, in the podcast in episode 58, you need to bypass this whole thing by figuring out who the hiring managers are. And you can do that on LinkedIn. It's not hard and start very, very systematically reaching out to people because all you're doing is applying to jobs online. By the way, it does work some of the time. When Elizabeth got her last job, that's what she did. Yes, that is correct. I applied online. You applied online within a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. You got an interview and yes. it all happened very fast. Mm-hmm. It did. That is the exception. If you're just sitting back and waiting, and yes, you're going to run into these recruiters and they're going to go and they're going to ask you a stock set of questions. You have to get aggressive about reaching out to hiring managers. So Gary talks about in the podcast about doing a basically reaching out to three kinds of people at the company, a hiring manager, someone who would be the your peer, someone doing the job, and lastly, the hiring manager, and doing a three-email sequence. And he talks about in his podcast about doing, you know, reaching out to 100 companies. I think it's a bit much. It's getting, taking and turning things around. Basically, the hiring process doesn't work. Uh, one of the guests I'm going to have on the next couple of months is Hannah Morgan. Miss Career Sherpa, and she's been at this for about, I guess, a dozen years now. And one of the things I wanted her to talk about is how job search in her eyes has changed in these last 10 years, because boy, has it changed. Yes, it has. It's changed a lot. Yeah. And so if you're waiting for these recruiters, you're not going to, if you follow their process, you're going to get stuck in it. And what Gary talks in the podcast is we believe there are all these rules. And the reality is there are no rules. In fact, Gary and I were sitting down over a cup of coffee the other day, and he had a new client, a three, 400 person, maybe a 500 person company, finally reaching, they're finally getting big enough. They were hiring Austin HR to come in and do some consulting work. They were using one of the major applicant tracking systems, one of the cloud-based ones. They had 1,300 applications in the applicant tracking system, and no one was looking at it. None. Zero. Zilch. He asked him, well, how'd you hire the last three people? Oh, they are people who emailed their resumes, and they came in. Oh, my. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Right? And you mm-hmm. say, well, yes. but, but these people, they're big enough. They should know better. Well. The vast majority of companies, not all companies, but the vast majority don't hire very well. They don't have a process. And this goes all the way up to some of the biggest companies. So bypass the whole thing. It's, there are no rules. Mm-hmm. So quit believing there are any. Yep. And you have to approach job hunting and applying for a job in a whole different way. And, and like you said, there are no rules and companies don't. It's not an, a continuous, ongoing process in terms of hiring. So for some companies, they do it every now and then, and it's like a whole new learning process. So you have to be smarter, wiser, more creative in your approach and how to reach them. Yeah, I have a client right now who is really struggling with this. I believe he's very fearful of rejection. 
And one of the things that Gary talks about in the podcast is you're going to get a lot of silence. You know, he's talking about reaching out to, you know, 600 people. And he said, you know, basically 80% of people will not respond. But if I reach out to 600 people and I get 20% response, I get 120 people I get to talk to. So, and, and the people who do respond will actually usually be pretty nice because mm-hmm. they actually responded. But you're going to get a lot of quiet. And that, that to some people, that will be very frustrating. But it's reach out, reach out, and reach out some more. And in fact, I was talking to this one client and I gave the good example. I have a buddy from my previous startup who's looking for a job and he, he called, he emailed me and asked me if I knew somebody at this software company. And so I went and perused around a couple of profiles and I opened up one profile and I didn't have any first degree connections. So I looked at some of the second degree connections and the very next day I got a connection request from one of these people. Believe it or not, a gentleman in Israel. Ooh. And so, you know, I accepted the connection, said, How'd you find me? He says, Oh, I was look you looked at my profile. I said, Could we have a short Skype call? And he said, Yes. As it turns out, he his whole group got let go. So he wasn't actually working at the company anymore. But we spent about 30 minutes on the phone. I gave him some good advice. I asked him if he'd help my buddy Jim. He said, sure, I still know I'm good friends with people. And uh, so I connected the two of them and he apparently gave some good advice to Jim, but it was all because I was just out looking around. And it's, it's one of these things is people will respond in ways that you don't expect them. I believe in general, people are, are generally pretty nice to one another. And what you want to do is ignore the ones who aren't. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you just have to be open and you have to think creatively on how you can, you know, perhaps engage somebody or have some type of interaction. Let's go on so, to the, the question three. Sure. I just accepted a new position at a different company. I just know my boss will throw a fit when I turn in my resignation and will make my life a living hell for two weeks. Do I have to give two weeks notice? I do have enough PTO time left over to cover those two weeks. Okay, this is a tough one. This is where, by the way, when you sign on with the company and you sign that acceptance letter, you better keep that because it will spell out when you leave what you have agreed to do. So I'll use an example. I had a client here about two years ago. Uh, we know when she signed the her when she signed on to the company, she had a non-compete clause. Now, by the way, that was two companies ago. She went through two companies, two company acquisitions to get there. And she was going to accept a job with a competitor. So the question was, did they actually have the signing papers? And the answer was, as we found out in her hiring jacket, in her personnel jacket, the answer was no. So no one knew that she had a, she signed a non-compete clause. But usually those number of weeks notice you're supposed to give is usually spelled out in that document. Now, I put it, it's always good to give two weeks notice, if not more, at least offer more. 
I always believe you want to leave tying everything up in a nice little bow and, and turn it over. And if your boss is going to throw a fit, it's your job to be the adult in the room and don't take it personally. Stay calm. It is okay to say no because you're leaving, but have the discussion of, yes, you know, if you want me gone, I will be happy to take PTO time. One of the other things you want to do before you leave is find out, will they pay out on your PTO time when you leave? In other words, if you've got a week of PTO time, you want to make sure that, uh, do I have to take it before I leave or are they going to pay me for it? I'll use the example. When I left my last corporate gig, this was in January of 2011. In 2010, I had a good friend who left the company and they wouldn't pay her for her leftover PTO time. By the way, I had five weeks available of PTO time. Turns out in, I discovered in December or December of 2010, the company changed their rules and they would pay me for my time, you know, my PTO. And so there, but, but if they didn't, by the way, I was going to take lots of vacation before I turned in my resignation and they didn't like it tough. So yes, you probably, it is good practice to give two weeks notice, figure out, have the discussion. If you want me gone earlier, I'll take my PTO time. But more importantly, if you work for an abusive boss, you're leaving, play the adult in the room and don't get sucked into the emotions, which I know for a lot of you, that is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. I know when I left my last corporate gig, I was stressed out. And so I essentially scheduled and timed everything. I did all my homework ahead of time. I timed it down to the last day when I would get the biggest bang for the buck. I turned in my resignation within 14 days of my next option investing. I turned it in the first week in January. So we got my fourth quarter bonus. I got, I got paid for the month of January for my health insurance. The whole point here is do your homework. When you take your next job, keep those signing papers. And yes, it may be five. You may be there five, 10 years. You're going to want a copy of those, those documents. Elizabeth, have you, have you always given 14 days notice? For, yes, I gave two for the two times I did, but the, the last time I left, I, I did not. So, <laughs> I'm, but but it was okay. It um, it uh, worked out fine. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of mutual between both parties. So, you know, it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I agree. Uh, all the there's so many other things to take in consideration. Uh, in besides, if your your boss is going to be a pain, but just to get, maximize all the benefits that are owed to you and should be, you know, that that you should take advantage of. Um, so you can really have to plan your your leaving time and 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 make sure that it it works out best. And and I also agree you should leave on good terms because you never know down the road you may come into contact with some of your uh, former employee so you need to you know need to leave on good terms and all the way around you never burn bridges but more importantly one of the key things that people tend to forget is to figure out ahead of time 
what are you going to do about health insurance? And Mm -hmm. what are you going to do for health insurance as a bridge? Because many times we take a week or two weeks off in between and understand how health insurance is being paid for. In most companies, health insurance is paid at the beginning of the month for the whole month. So if you start in the, you know, if you leave, you know, on December, you know, 28th, and you're not going to start until January 15th, you may have to take a month of COBRA. Well, how much is that going to cost you? Uh, When will the company's new health insurance kick in? Many times it doesn't kick in until the the first of the month after you started. Mm -hmm. These are all things that are all little tiny details you got to figure out. Yes. And you should ask them during the interview and and keep, like you said, keep all your papers because you need to make sure you maximize your benefits coming and going from from your jobs. Yeah, one of the key aspects, I when I left my last corporate gig, I was calling up HR and saying, what's COBRA the payment going to be next year? Because I was leaving in January. So I was asking in December. And some of the HR folks saying, why are you asking? I said, because I'm planning on leaving here. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. And they went, oh, yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> I was upfront and honest. Yeah, well, then that's good too. So, so, Elizabeth, thank you for helping me once again with this uh, Q and A episode. By the way, you know the first question actually came from the podcast survey, and so and I'm going to be pulling a number of questions. I'm going to be extracting a couple of more questions from that pad- podcast survey for answering in future Q and A's. And if oh, you, good. and if you have a question that you would like me to answer, you can either go to careerpivot.com, hit the contact me button at the top, or you can email me at podcast at careerpivot.com. Again, thank you, Elizabeth, for helping me with this episode. And uh, we'll see you in another month. Yes, sounds good. Thank you, Mark. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Please pick up a copy of Repurpose Your Career, a practical guide for the second half of life at Amazon or any of the other fine online retailers. When you complete reading the book, I would very much appreciate if you would write an honest review on Amazon.com. The audio version of this book is now available on iTunes, Audible, and Amazon. I'll be giving away one or more free copies of the audio version of this book if you will do the following. Please write a comment on the show notes at careerpivot.com slash episode 63 with your thoughts on any of the answers I gave in this podcast. Lastly, I am working on the Career Pivot community website. The website is alive and the website is in production. And I'm in the process of contacting people who are on the waiting list. I have six commitments and I'm looking for four more. If you are interested in learning more about the endeavor and would like to be put on the waiting list, please go to careerpivot.com slash community. When you sign up, you'll receive more information about the community as it evolves. I have an initial cohort of 10 individuals, all of whom are in the second half of life, and they are guiding me on what to build. I'm looking for individuals who are motivated to take action and are willing to give me input on what I should produce next. I'm currently working on LinkedIn and blogging training. I plan on having four to five beta groups that will be brought in 10 at a time, and I'll be accepting input on what are the needs of the community. 
This is a paid membership community where I'll be offering group coaching, special content, and more importantly, it will be a community where you can seek help. Please go to careerpivot.com slash community to sign up to learn more. Check back next week when I interview Camille Knight, my logical creative. And thank you for listening all the way to the end of the Repurpose Your Career podcast. You will find all the show notes at careerpivot.com slash episode dash 63. Please hop over to careerpivot.com and subscribe to get updates on this podcast and all the other happenings at Career Pivot. I publish a blog post with show notes every Tuesday morning, and if you subscribe to the Career Pivot blog, you'll receive the Career Pivot Insights email every Sunday, which includes a link to this podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. I hope to see you next Monday for another episode of Repurpose Your Career Podcast. Podcast.